Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 8 to 10. This morning I'd like to answer the question, how should we as Bible-believing Christians respond to what is taking place in Israel? How should we as Bible-believing Christians respond to what is taking place in Israel? Deuteronomy chapter 32, note there verses 8 to 10, it reads... Verses 8 to 10, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 8 to 10. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. And he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Let's bow for prayer. O God in heaven, we pray, please teach us this morning, help us to be a greater light in this world consumed in darkness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. These verses teach that Israel has a special place in the heart of God. She is, he is, the apple of his eye. That's a term of endearment, the apple of his eye. God loves Israel. A hatred for Israel otherwise known as anti-Semitism, is not of God. It is a devilish spirit. Israel is special to God. She is still in existence today in spite of her turbulent history. Ancient nations have come and gone. But Israel still stands. Immigrant people have been absorbed into the countries of which they have gone, but not so with the Jews. They have remained a distinct people as a race and religiously. Even though they've been harshly treated, scattered, persecuted and even martyred for simply being Jewish, 
They have not lost their identity. The Egyptians, Arabs within and surrounding the promised land, sons of Ishmael, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans and others in current history have not been able to successfully eradicate Israel. Sons of Isaac. Why? Because God is watching over Israel. Turn with me to Psalm 121, please. Psalm 121, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 121, verses 4 and 5. It reads, Note what God, what this verse, or these verses teach us about God's care over his people. Verse 4, it reads, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. A shadow reflects a real presence. The presence of God is over Israel and the Bible likens God as being a shade over his people. As in time past and in the present, Israel stands as God's chosen people. Moses reminded the Israelites of their divine heritage there within the book of Deuteronomy. Go to chapter 7, please, quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. Moses reminded the Israelites of their divine heritage and their national distinctiveness before his death and before their entrance into the promised land. Note then verse 6 and 7 reads, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did set his love upon you nor, chose, nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But verse 8 reads, But because the Lord loved you. God loves Israel. God has a special love for Israel. Israel is known as the apple of his eye. And God's Purpose, God purposed that Israel would be a holy, chosen, special, free nation that would give testimony of the one and true and living God and be the channel of blessing to all the world in the provision of salvation in the person 
of Jesus Christ. Note there in Genesis chapter 12, please. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. God said to Abraham in verse number 3, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's in reference to the provision of a saviour. The history of Israel begins with the call of God to Abraham as the father of the Hebrew nation. And here in Genesis chapter 12, he was commanded to leave his homeland in Ur and go to a land promised. And this calling is recorded here in Genesis chapter 12. Israel alone is God's covenant nation, the apple of his eye. In Romans 9, 4 it reads, Who are Israelites? Asking the question, begging an answer, Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law? and the service of God and the promises. That's who Israel is. Their entire, the entire basis of the relationship that exists between God and Israel is summed up in four unconditional covenants. The unconditional character of four covenants that God made with Israel. A covenant is an agreement, a binding contract. And God gave Israel four unconditional covenants. And the fulfillment of these covenants doesn't rest upon the obedience and faithfulness of the Jewish people. This is clear to us today. They are in unbelief. They are blinded in unbelief as a nation. But these covenants rest fully and solely upon the faithfulness of God in what he has promised in his word to his people Israel, the apple of his eye. My friend, God doesn't lie he will do what he has promised. And these covenants are unconditional covenants. They fully rest in God's faithfulness, not in the faithfulness of the Jewish people. And as a way of biblical illustration, our salvation doesn't rest on our faithfulness to God, it rests in God's faithfulness to us. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. 
In 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Though we are unfaithful, God is faithful to us. And though Israel is unfaithful to her God, God remains faithful to her because God has promised. There is the Abrahamic covenant, what we refer to as the Abrahamic covenant. And back in Genesis chapter 12, that's spelled out there in verses 1, 2 and 3 and reaffirmed in other portions within the Old Testament scriptures. Note then verse 2 where God said to Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. This is what we refer to as the Abrahamic covenant, that out of Abraham would come a great nation. And those that bless Israel, note then verse 2, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Then note verse 3, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. Out of Abraham will come a great nation. That's what God said to Abraham. I'm going to build a nation from your loins. And God also said to Abraham, those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse that nation within you, I will curse. The Bible is very clear that love for the Jewish people will be rewarded. I have no doubt that this is why one of the reasons why God has blessed Australia, God has blessed Great Britain, God has blessed America because we stand by Israel. But anti-Semitism, as we see it today, will be judged of God. God will have the last say. What has taken place in this regard is not something unusual to Islam, it is original Islam. What we have heard in the news over the past week, the inhumanity of Hamas, is simply original Islam. Wake up Australia! Hamas is acting in accordance to genuine Islam and the writings within the Quran. In contrast, Christianity is founded in the love of God. The love of God and from that flows a love for thy neighbour. That's Christianity. Christianity is found in the love of God and love for man, no matter his race, no matter his skin colour. Islam, founded by Muhammad Abdullah in 611 or 610 AD, founded with a sword as a means of advancement. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. 
In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Lord Jesus likened the devil to a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's Islam. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. The Abrahamic covenant teaches that God said to Abraham, from your loins will come a great nation, and that is fulfilled. We have the nation of Israel today. And in Zechariah 2.8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, God gave a solemn warning to those nations that would dare touch Israel, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. An unconditional promise fulfilled today. And then if you look back there in Genesis chapter 12, In verse 1, God not only promised Abraham that Abraham from your loins will come a great nation, but I will also, secondly, I will give you a land. Note then verse 1. I'm going to lead you to a land that I will show thee. God promised Abraham, that you, you will become a great nation. The Abrahamic covenant. But also God promised Israel a homeland. Now if we had time, we would study Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29 and 30 that expounds that very fact. No doubt the words to Moses were an encouragement to the Jewish people under Joshua's leadership as they took possession of the land promised to them by God. This is what we refer to as the Palestinian covenant. God not only promised Israel you will be, become a great nation, but I'm going to give you a homeland. Throughout Israel's history, they've been driven out of their land. They've been attacked while in their land. As in this present war in Israel, God said, Abraham, you will become a great nation and I will give you a land. Today known as the state of Israel, God given to his people. It's Israel's land. God is the creator of all things. He has the right to give as he sees fit. And God gave that portion of land which lies at the crossroad of the world. Gave that to Israel. 
the Palestinian covenant. And this is the problem in the Middle East today, refusal to accept Israel's right to exist as a people and their right to possess the land that God gave them. That's the problem. The sons of Ishmael will not accept the fact that God gave them that portion of land. And they have a right to exist. That's the problem in the Middle East, in a nutshell. Just like Haman in the book of Esther and Hitler in World War II, the sons of Ishmael today want to remove the existence of Israel completely. They want to drive them out of their land and they want to kill the Jewish people. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. Why? Because Psalm 121 verse 4, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God said to Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. God said to Abraham, you will have a land, a home land. These two unconditional covenants have been fulfilled. But yet there are two covenants yet to be fulfilled. One known as the Davidic covenant. Quickly go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 please. 2 Samuel chapter 7 in verses 11 to 16 we are given this Davidic covenant For the sake of time, look at verse 13, it reads, He shall build an house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And note verse 16 as well. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. This covenant focuses on the kingdom of Israel promised an eternal kingdom within the context here of second samuel chapter 7 david was told by nathan the prophet that solomon king david's son would rule after him and that solomon would build the temple and his house and throne and the kingdom will be established forever. And this promise of an eternal kingdom is given throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Note there in Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1, quickly. Luke chapter 1 in announcing the birth of the Saviour, the King of Kings. 
Luke chapter 1, verses 31. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. To 33 it reads, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 32, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. This is referring to this eternal kingdom. Verse 33, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob for ever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So this promise of an eternal kingdom is yet future. And it will be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ when he establishes his kingdom on the earth. Jesus Christ has not yet ruled over Israel. She is unsaved. He has not yet ascended to David's throne. And the greater fulfillment of this unconditional covenant will be in the future and will materialize in the 1,000 year reign of Christ on the earth that will follow the tribulation period. Spelled out in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. The kingdom of which Christ will reign supreme, an eternal kingdom is yet future. But there's a fourth covenant that is yet to be fulfilled. And it's spelled out in Ezekiel chapter 36, please. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36. In verses 26 to 28. But for the sake of time, let's read verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Then in verses 27, 28, it talks about, I will put my spirit within you. And it will cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my judgments. This is referred to as the new covenant, yet future. The Davidic covenant, yet future. That Christ's kingdom will be established. Christ will sit on the throne of David and reign supreme. This covenant promises... In essence, the conversion of Israel. The conversion of Israel. This is made possible through the gospel. Jesus Christ came from the loins of Abraham, the tribe of Judah, the lineage of David. And when God said to Abraham that from you I will bless the whole world, 
That's in reference to salvation. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And conversion, forgiveness of sin is possible in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. The possibility of conversion has been made possible through the gospel. And my friend, if you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible teaches us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. But till this day, Israel on the whole as a nation lies in unbelief unsaved but God made a promise known as the new covenant and God said that I will put my spirit within you I will convert you and then you will walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments so God promised there would always be in Israel God promised that his people would be in a land, the state of Israel, but yet they lie in unbelief. And this covenant gives us the promise of their salvation, that Israel will be saved as a nation in the tribulation period. Once again, during that period of time, known as Jacob's trouble, accordingly, she will be hunted down by the Antichrist who will break his seven-year peace treaty with Israel. Isn't it interesting? There's constant talk about peace, peace in Israel. There will be no peace outside of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. But we know that our redemption draweth nigh when we hear of a seven-year peace treaty. Seven-year peace treaty with Israel. Start packing your bags. Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 makes reference to this peace treaty of seven years. And the Antichrist will break that treaty and he will begin to persecute the nation during the tribulation period and this will ultimately lead to her salvation and if we had time we would study Revelation chapter 12 likened Israel to a woman fleeing for her life and God protecting her but it's during that period of time that Israel will acknowledge Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah and she will be saved. Romans chapter 11, please. Romans chapter 11. Verse 26 and 27, it reads, A good study concerning Israel's past present 
and future is found in Romans 9, 10 and 11. Here in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, and so all Israel shall be, what? Saved. This is referred to as the new covenant. God promised that all Israel will be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, reference the Christ, and shall take away ungodliness from Jacob. Verse 27, this is my covenant with them. When I shall take away their sins. Verse 28, as concerning the gospel. Connect it all together. This new covenant involves the conversion of Israel during the tribulation period. So the eternal kingdom is yet to come. The conversion of Israel as a nation is yet to come. Yes, there are the odd, even Jew that have been converted to Christ. But during the tribulation period, the Bible teaches us that Israel's eyes will be open and she will be converted. Revelation 7 expounds on that fact. So God gave Israel four covenants. Two have been fulfilled. And two are yet to be fulfilled. God's on track. God's on track. One in four verses. Listen to me. One in four verses in our Bible is of prophetic nature. One in four verses. So out of that 25%, 80%, 80 of those prophecies have been fulfilled. And approximately 20%, uh, 20 are yet to be fulfilled. And predominantly and largely in reference to Christ's kingdom and the conversion of Israel. My friend, Israel is the master key that unlocks a correct understanding of future Bible prophecy. Israel's the master key that unlocks a correct, I stress the word correct, understanding of future Bible prophecy. Jesus Christ will reign supreme as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. For Revelation 19.10 read, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus Christ, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, our King. And there is coming a day 
in which Israel will be saved. So how should we as Bible-believing Christians respond to what is taking place in Israel? Well, I think, number one, we need to be mindful that God ultimately will take care of Israel. God's shadow is over Israel. As we read there in Psalm 121. Be mindful that God will ultimately take care of Israel and yet it's our allegiance and support of Israel that will warrant God's blessing upon our lives. That's how we should respond. And secondly, turn with me to Psalm 122, please. Psalm 122. Psalm 122. Maybe this afternoon, go ahead and spend a little bit of time and read through Psalm 121. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. How God said, He keepeth Israel. God that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. 24-7, God's watching over Israel. But note here in Psalm 122, the Bible teaches us we need to pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel. That's not what the sons of Ishmael want. <laughs> you might have noticed. The sons of Ishmael want her obliteration. And so does Russia. And so does China. But it ain't going to happen. As God said, he'll overshadow Israel. Whether America, Great Britain, Australia, draw alongside. It won't matter, God will take care. But the blessing is upon you and I as we bless Israel. Yes, we don't bless their, their conduct, because they are in unbelief, I understand that, but we bless them because they are the apple of God's eye and God is not finished with Israel. And therefore we need to pray for Israel and note here in Psalm 122, verse 6 and 7, it reads, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and they shall prosper that love thee peace will be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces so how should we respond as bible believing christians to what is taking place in israel number one be mindful that god will ultimately take care of his people but yet we need to affirm our allegiance and support of israel and this will warrant god's blessing those that bless thee I will bless, those that curse thee I will curse. But also we need to pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel. We need to pray ultimately that Israel, that, that Jewish people 
men, women and children would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And there is no peace outside of Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. And one day she will find that out. But until that day, we need to pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel that she would come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as Saviour. Pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel. Pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. Note there in Romans chapter 10. Quickly, Romans chapter 10. We are to pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel. We are to pray for her salvation because she, she lies in unbelief. As the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10.1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is what? That they might be saved. Verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. That as they endure persecution, that they will lift up their eyes and place their faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We need to pray for the salvation of Israel. We need to pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel. We need to be mindful that God ultimately takes care of his people and those that bless Israel, God will bless. Those that curse Israel, God will curse. And last but not least, how should we as Bible-believing Christians respond to what's taking place in Israel? We need to look forward to the imminent return of Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What gives evidence that the Bible is true? As one man said, give me one word that gives evidence that the Bible is true. And this individual wisely responded, Israel. Israel. God has not appointed us a day of wrath, but, but salvation in Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus used a fig tree as an illustration there in Matthew chapter 24. And he said, when you see the budding of the fig tree, you see the leaves on the fig tree, you know that summer's coming. The weather's warming up. And the Lord Jesus used this simple illustration to illustrate the fact when you see the budding, you see the leaves begin to appear on that barren fig tree, you know our Lord cometh. Walls and rumours of walls are signposts that we are getting closer to the end. And as one man said, they are the alarm clock 
or the reminder note, but not the actual appointment. The signposts are there. What we are seeing in Israel at the moment is clear affirmation that biblical prophecy is unfolding before us. And beloved, there is no need to fear if you're a Christian. Yes, we are saddened. Yes, we are disturbed by the evidence of cruelty and hatred towards fellow human beings. But we rest in the hope of eternal life. That God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Maranatha. Maranatha. Our Lord cometh. Jesus said, when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, things are working towards the end. How committed are you, Christian? We are definitely living in the last days. It's time for you and I as Bible-believing Christians to clearly nail our colours to the stake and be actively involved in sharing the good news of the gospel with others. And all of God's people said, let's bow for prayer.